passage we are looking at today, studying together today, is from the Gospel of John. Uh, We're reading chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. As we continue our walk through the Gospel of John, you can find this in your bulletins. Also, um, you can use your Bibles, page 897. Um, that might be helpful for you as we look at other verses um, in the first part of the sermon. This is the word of God. Now certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that um, as we read a passage like this, we are reminded of your power the power of the resurrection, and we are reminded of your love, your grace, your mercy, and your glory. And we pray, Lord, that as we consider this from your word, that you will strengthen our faith, and faith, our faith in you as our Savior but as the one who has loved us more than anybody in the world. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we get to chapter 11 uh, in our study of John, and if you have been here or reading it on your own, you might be tempted to think that John is moving away from what happened in chapter 10, that he's going now to talk about another important uh, event in the life and ministry of Jesus when he resurrected, when he raised Lazarus. That he's just moving away from what happened in chapter 10, where there was persecution of him by the religious leaders, and now he's just going to tell us about this important event when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But I would like to consider things that we have been seeing in chapter 9, 10, and 11 that allow us to see that John is not moving away from the theme that he's been talking about. Uh, But what we see here in chapter 11 is kind of the peak of what has been happening until this moment, which is that um, Jesus has been doing signs and wonders, 
He has shown his power through his miracles, but he has also proclaimed a message, and these have not been welcomed by the religious leaders. They did not believe in Jesus. They did not believe in his works, in his signs, and his words. Uh, I will say that they basically suppressed the truth because it was very clear, it was very evident to them as it was to anybody else around Jesus that Jesus had unique power, yet they did not believe in him. And we learned actually from chapter 10 that Jesus told us what is the reason why they did not believe. It is because they were not his sheep. But on the other hand, we have people that believe in Jesus. When we get to chapter 11, we say, I say that we get to the peak of this tension is because after this, what we're going to see is that the religious leaders get ready to get rid of Jesus at all costs because they cannot bear that Jesus is doing the kind of things that he's doing. So I just want to briefly see or ask us together to see the connections between 9, 10, and 11, especially because when we move from chapter 9 to chapter 10, you may have had the same feeling that Jesus is, that, that, that John is talking about something else in not connected with what we saw in chapter 9. Well, basically, uh, everything starts with Jesus healing a man who was born blind. And the religious leaders started to question the man, question his parents, and what they wanted to find is an answer from the man that will say that, that either I wasn't blind before or that Jesus didn't heal me. But they couldn't get that answer from this man, and they were upset about that because they couldn't get something to discredit Jesus' ministry, power, and words. Therefore, what they end doing was that they cast out this man of the synagogue. Then Jesus pursued the man, refined his faith, his faith challenged him to believe. The man believed in Jesus and worshipped Jesus. Then we finish there, and all of a sudden in chapter 10, Jesus starts to teach this parable, the parable of the good shepherd, saying, truly, truly, I say to you. And that in itself is a sign that chapter 10 is connected with what's been happening in chapter 11, because truly, truly, I say to you, is never an introduction to a new teaching, but a continuation of what he's been teaching before. Another way to understand the connection is that by verses 19 and 21, or through 21 of chapter 10, you realize that the tension continues to be there, continues to be there between those who disbelieve in Jesus and those who were trying to wonder or trying to figure out if Jesus was really a prophet, a good teacher. There was again division among the Jews because of these words, which words Jesus teaching about the good shepherd, that he was the good shepherd, and those who follow him will have salvation. And many of them said that he had a demon, that he was insane while listening to him. And others said, there, these are no words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then you see there the connection between chapter 10 and chapter 9. The tension continues to happen there 
around Jesus' power to heal a man who was born blind. Jesus continued to teach. They now are obsessed about getting rid of Jesus, and therefore they go and ask him a question, are you the Christ? No, because they wanted to know if he was the Savior, but only they wanted to find a way to accuse him. And Jesus answered to them, not just confirmed that he was the Christ, but also he told them, I and the Father are one. Basically, he told them, I am God. They were even more upset, up, upset, and then they were ready to stomp him. You found this in verse 31 that we studied last week. They were ready to kill Jesus. And Jesus again challenged them back and forth, showing how do you disconnect the signs that I'm showing to you from my message. My signs prove that I am God. They were saying, we don't have problems with the signs. We have problems with your words. Therefore, they were ready to arrest Jesus. Why? Because they did not believe that Jesus was God. And Jesus was confessing that he was God. Now, chapter 10 doesn't close with a negative note. Yes, Jesus has to leave. Jesus go across the Jordan... But there he continued to minister to people. He continued to do signs that nobody have ever done before. And you see the last verse of chapter 10 says, And many believe in him there. Which means that while the religious leaders did not believe in Jesus, did not believe in his power, his sign, his words, many believe in him on the other hand. Why they did believe? Jesus already explained that to them and to us because they were their sheep. They were his sheep. They listened to his voice. They understood that Jesus was God. Now, as we get to this point here, we will see that the connection between chapter 11 and 10 is that Jesus gets the word that one of his good friends is ill. He's asked to go and see him or infer at least that he should go and see him. And he's ready to go. He said to his disciples in verse 7, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples are saying, Rabbi, the Jews are just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? The, con- the tension continues. Then even Thomas says in verse um, 16, let us go, that we might die with him. They were seeing the tension. It was clear. Then, as we will see in the the coming weeks, Jesus would raise Lazarus. And rather than producing faith or being a demonstration of his power to the religious leaders, they were get ready to kill Jesus. If you move forward to verse 45, um, after the Jews saw that Jesus raised Lazarus. They said, we really have to get rid of this man. Because more people are going to believe in him. And the Romans are going to take away our way of living. Therefore, we are seeing here again the tension between Jesus and those who did not believe in him. But at the same time, we are seeing here the blessing that those who believe in him received. The blind man. Not just because he received sight. 
but because he received spiritual sight. He believed in Jesus, and he worshiped Jesus. We see the many that got to believe in Jesus through the testimony of Jesus, his words, and his works. We will see Lazarus, and we see Jesus' disciples, all of them being blessed by trusting in Jesus. So what I want us to look at from these verses, which will be kind of the introduction to the miracle of Lazarus, or Jesus raising Lazarus, is three blessings that those who are in Christ have. And that includes you and me, if you have trusted in Jesus. And that could include include you if you get to trust in Jesus today, if you have not trusted in Jesus. The first blessing is that we are being, the blessing of being loved by Jesus. The blessing of being loved by Jesus. So the test today tell us that there was a man who was ill, and this man had two sisters, and one of these sisters' name was Mary. Um, John tell us about something that Mary did in the past, but that he was going to tell us that, he's, that she's going to do in chapter 12, because it comes up in the next chapter. Basically, remember, when John is writing this, all these events already happening. Therefore, when he talks about Mary, he says it's important that you identify this Mary that he's talking about here with the Mary that is going to appear in chapter 12, who anoints Jesus' feet. But also, the kind of relationship that this Mary had with Jesus the kind of understanding that she had in her heart about who Jesus was. So John tells us about this man who is ill, these two sisters, one of them Mary, and the name of the man is Lazarus, the other sister is Martha, and the sisters who knew Jesus sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Lazarus was ill, and they are sending a word to to Jesus because they knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. We also learned through the test, through John, that not only Jesus loved Lazarus, but also Jesus loved Martha and Mary. If you move to verse 5, you read, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved these three siblings. By the time that the word got to Jesus, it's possible that Lazarus was already dead because uh, there was no emails, no phones. There was no way to get the word faster to Jesus. It would take somebody to walk from Bethany, the place where they were, to across the Jordan to another area where Jesus was ministering to people. And when the report comes to Jesus, it comes with, again, with the frame that the person that was ill was somebody Jesus loved. I will say that you could read these words, the words of the sisters, almost as a prayer. Think about this. 
It's almost as if they are praying to Jesus. They are praying to Jesus, saying to Jesus that they know that Jesus loved Lazarus. And they were bringing before Jesus the need of this man who was ill. Also, we learned not just that they knew that Jesus loved Lazarus, but we learned again from John that, in fact, Jesus, yes, loved Lazarus, but he also loved Martha and loved Mary. How much did he love them? You could ask that question. Well, he loved them enough to give his life for them on the cross. Think about that for a moment. He's loved them enough to go to the cross to give his life for them on the cross. They were loved by Jesus to the point that he came down to earth to empty himself from all the privileges that he has as God to dwell among humans and go to the cross and give his life on the cross for Lazarus, for Martha, and for Mary. But you know that the same love that Jesus had for Lazarus, for Martha, and for Mary is the love that Jesus has for you and me if we have trusted in Jesus. Think about that. Yes, it is true that there was a special relationship between Lazarus, between Martha, between Mary, and Jesus, that they were his good friends, that they welcomed him every time he went to Bethania or Bethany. But Jesus loved them in the same way he loved each one of us who have trusted in Jesus. Now, Martha and Mary knew about that love. And think about how important it is this in terms of pleading to Jesus, in terms of asking Jesus to consider their brother. They understood the love of Jesus. Therefore, when they pray, again, as a prayer, similar like a prayer to Jesus, when they send word to Jesus, they were praying, they were asking Jesus with the understanding that Jesus loved them, that Jesus loved Lazarus. Now, when Jesus heard their request, Jesus heard their request as someone who loved Martha, her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. Jesus is hearing the plea of people that he deeply loved. That's the blessing that all of us who are in Christ have. Think about this for a moment. It is not just that Christ died on the cross and saved you from eternal condemnation, but that same Christ loved you. Loved you. Loved you to the point of dying on the cross for you. Therefore, you should pray with that confidence, knowing that Christ loved you, knowing that Christ gave his life for you, and with the understanding that John revealed to us that Christ certainly loved these three as he loved each one of us. So again, there is a great blessing here for them 
but it's a great blessing for each one of us who have trusted in Jesus. It is the blessing of being loved by Jesus. And I think that that blessing should inform you, or this knowledge should inform the way you pray, the way you trust in Jesus, the way you live your life for Christ. Understanding that no one, no one loves you as Christ has loved you. We are all selfish because that is part of our broken, sinful nature. But we still love people. We still love our relatives. We still love those we love. Yet our love have selfishness. We still want our own things, our own space sometimes. Christ's love is perfect. It's not selfish. Nobody has done for you. Or if you have not trusted in Jesus yet, will do for you what Christ has done on the cross for us. Second, the blessing of seeing the glory of Christ. The blessing of seeing the glory of Christ. This is for those who are in Christ. If you are not yet in Christ, I encourage you to trust in Jesus. But when Jesus heard it, heard the word that Lazarus was ill, he said this, this illness does not lead to death. I think that you could easily, without doing a lot of study, connect this with what Jesus has said before in chapter 9. The disciples come and ask Jesus, when they saw the blind man, Rabbi, who sinned? This is nine, John chapter 9, verse 2. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man sin or his parents. To the people that told Jesus that Lazarus was ill, and to his disciples, he said, this illness that no lead to death. There is a greater purpose. There was a greater purpose for the man's illness, this, the blind man's illness in chapter 9, as there was a greater purpose for Lazarus' illness that will lead him to die. What was that? If you go back to John 9, it says, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God may be displaying him. That there will be a clear display of God's power in the life of the blind man. As the blind man himself told to the religious leaders, there have never been heard in the history of the world until that point that a man who was born blind received the sight. It is a clear display of the glory of God. But it was a clear display also of the glory of Christ. It was a clear display to those around Jesus that Christ is God, that he was divine. The same thing he says to those who brought the message from Martha and Mary and to his disciples. He said, this illness doesn't lead to death. It is for the glory of God. Lazarus was ill for the glory of God. So that the Son of Man 
may be glorified through it. So that the Son of Man will raise Lazarus from the death and the glory of Christ will be clearly displayed before everyone who was in front of him. Remember when, when Jesus is questioned by the religious leaders and they are ready to stone him. Jesus said, for, God, for what good works that I have done in my Father's name, you will stone me. They had no answer to that question. They didn't want to address the good works because there was no way they could explain how someone will do the kind of things that Jesus was doing. Therefore, they will say, it wasn't your good works, it's the kind of things that you are saying. Then Jesus said, are you, you have a problem with me saying that I am the son of God? Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. That doesn't prove that I am the son of God. Is what Jesus is saying to them. Therefore, the illness of Lazarus will highlight, will make it visible to everyone in front of Jesus that Jesus was the glorious Christ God himself. Were they able to see that? Well, we know that they were not, right? We know that actually seeing Jesus' miracle only stirred their hearts to make sure that they would get rid of Jesus. Think about this. They were afraid of what the Romans could do against them if more people would follow Jesus. But how about trusting that Jesus would take care of the Romans if he had the power to raise Lazarus? Now, what is the blessing of seeing the glory of Christ? The blessing of seeing the glory of Christ is what Jesus has told them before in previous verses, that if you believe, if you believe the signs Jesus said in verse 38, but if I don't do them even in 38 of, verse, of chapter 10, if I don't, if I, but if I do them, meaning the signs, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you might know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. The blessing of seeing the glory of glorious Christ is to know and understand who we have in front of us when somebody tells us about Jesus, which is Christ, the Son of God, who created everything that exists in this world, and not only one, not only that, but also the one who came to this world to die for you and me on the cross. If you have trusted in Jesus, that means that you know that Christ is God, that Jesus is divine, and you are greatly blessed beyond measure because he has given you eternal life, because you know that you are in front of God himself. Now, third is the blessing of waiting in Christ. The blessing of waiting in Christ. So they report to Jesus. Jesus explained to them what is the purpose of the sign, the miracle. John tells us in verse 5 that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, 
and Lazarus. So, therefore, because he loved them, because he loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he hurried up, he went right away to see what was happening with Lazarus, to see if he could do something about what was happening with his good friend, Lazarus. No. Don't look at me. Look at the test, because that's not what the test says. It says that when he heard that Lazarus was healed, he stayed two days longer in that place where he was. I think that what I said before, in a sense, in our human understanding, makes more sense. Somebody tell you that somebody you love is ill, you're wrong. You go right away to aid that individual, to help that person. But Jesus doesn't do that. Why? Why is it that Jesus doesn't go right the way to help Lazarus? Well, I think that part of the answer is what Jesus will tell later to his disciples, we'll see next week, which is that he was glad that he wasn't there for their sake, so they will understand the glory of Christ. It was important that they waited for Jesus coming so they will see again the glorious Jesus. So the waiting had a purpose in the hearts of Martha, Mary, those around them, those who were mourning the loss of Lazarus, and even Jesus' disciples. It is that Jesus not only wanted to go and heal Lazarus and bring him back to life, raise Lazarus from the dead, but he also wanted to strengthen the faith of Martha, Mary, their friends, their relatives, and Jesus' disciples. And the only way he would do that it was by proving to them that he was able to do what nobody was able to do before. I have never heard anybody saying, I love when I have to wait for something. I'm so eager to wait for an answer, and I hope that the answer comes delayed as much as possible so that my faith grows. We are by nature stressed when we are waiting about something, about an answer. Yet, there is great value in our lives, in our spiritual growth, when we have to wait because God is working in us, our trust in him. God is growing our faith. He's strengthening us, strengthening our understanding that he is almighty, that he is in control. Therefore, staying longer, staying two days, is another expression of Jesus' love for Martha, Mary, and for those around Lazarus. But usually when we have to wait, it doesn't feel like that, right? Sometimes you feel that maybe God forgot about us. Maybe he doesn't love us as much as we thought he loved us. We're tempted to think that way. But remember, he's the one who loved Lazarus. He's the one who loved Martha, Mary. He's the one who gave his life for them. Therefore, 
Trusting in him in the times when we wait is actually enhancing our understanding of that glorious Jesus. Now think about this. This is just the introduction, not introduction to this sermon, but the introduction to this story, this event that happened that we're looking at or we'll be looking at in the next weeks. But how important it is for us to see And I see this as a way for us to to go home with something. Think about this. When Martha and Mary pray, when they send word to Jesus, they send word understanding that Jesus loved their brother. That Jesus loved them. That's the same way us as Christians pray and trust in Jesus. We know that he loves us because we are here today to take together, partake together of the Lord's Supper. This is a pure reminder of his love for us. We should pray with that confidence. We should trust in him even in the moments when he feels that he is delayed. Because in those moments is when God is doing something about it. It is not that we are praying that God will intervene in the situation. It's that he is already intervening in the situation helping us to understand who he is, the glorious Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you in your mercy and grace and goodness and compassion send your Son, our Lord Jesus, to grant us eternal life, to grant us hope, to grant us the understanding that you love us so much to give your son, our Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you have opened the eyes of our hearts that as we read this in your word, even though we have not seen Jesus face to face, in our hearts we know it's true. We know Jesus is alive. We know he is with us today as we partake together of these elements. He is in fellowship with us. We know that as we are taking these elements. By faith, we are spiritually nourished by the sacrifice that he did on the cross. We thank you for giving us this understanding. We pray for many, Lord, that do not know this blessing, do not know that Jesus loved them. We pray that they might experience that love, that love that is superior to any love that any human being can offer to anyone is the love of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.